This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome in. Hour number three of this Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show. Huge game today as we prepare for LSU versus Florida. So much online. Florida, if they win going to be the SEC East champions, also potentially going to be making uh, the Sugar Bowl. It would be a record 12th time for the Gators to win the SEC East if they were to take care of business today. However, on the flip side, from the LSU perspective, if you win, you are most likely going to the Sugar Bowl. And even more importantly, a win over Florida, a potential Sugar Bowl both, even Sugar Bowl berth, even more important than the bowl game itself is the direction of the future of LSU and, and, and its head coach. Because if you're talking about Ed Ogeron being, what, 6-1 and one at LSU with a respectable loss to Alabama, heading to his Sugar Bowl, that is a guy that is incredibly tough to remove, in my opinion. Uh, now, I know we've talked a lot about the stakes at play in, in today's game. Something that fascinates me, though, I want, I want to talk a bit about the, uh, the, the, the drama that took place earlier this year. This, um, it was, it, look, it, it, it was widely publicized what happened between LSU and Florida. The game gets pushed back. Uh, we kind of read between the lines. You do a little digging and you see that it was a Florida team that did not necessarily want to play that game. LSU tried to be accommodating. Florida deemed it kind of in their best interest to avoid it. And one of the leading theories at the time, especially amongst LSU fans, was that Florida did not want to play that game because they were injured, and they were. However, at the time, it was a bit interesting. It, it, it was a bit like LSU fans calling out the spec in the Florida Gators' eyes while ignoring the plank in their own. And what I mean by that, if you look back, LSU was just as, if not more, unhealthy than Florida was at the time. If that game had been played on its original date, you're looking at a game without Leonard Fournette. You're looking at a game in which Ethan Posick, your best lineman, one of the best centers in the entire nation, would have been playing left tackle against maybe the best defensive line in the SEC outside of Alabama. So LSU had some major injury concerns going into that original matchup as well. And where they gain the advantage today is that in the interim, the Tigers have gotten healthy. They've gotten guys back. Leonard Fournette, not 100%, but he is playing again. They have the top six uh, O-linemen available now. Ethan Posick does not have to go move out. Uh, he, he doesn't have to move out to left tackle. Unfortunately, the Gators, the opposite is true. The injury problems that they had a couple months ago, well, they've only been exacerbated. When you look for today... The Gators are going to be without quarterback Luke Del Rio, linebackers Alex Anzalone and Gerard Davis, center Cameron Dillard, safety Marcus May, 
Defensive ends, Brian Cox Jr., whose uh, dad, Brian Cox, from Hard Knocks uh, a couple of years ago. Excellent, hilarious, absolutely. Uh, defensive ends, though, Brian Cox Jr. and Justice Reed. Wide receiver, C.J. Warden. And running back, Mark Herney. That is seven starters. Now, even more worrying for the Florida Gator fans out there is three of those starters are your top three tacklers on defense. And this is a Florida defense that has been dominant this year. When you look at um, the categories, right, the, the, the defensive statistical rankings, uh, the team rankings, everything seems to go Alabama, Florida, LSU. So that should give you some perspective because we have fawned over this LSU defense, and rightfully so. They have been amazing. They've given up a nation-low 10 touchdowns on the year. And as good as LSU's been, I think that really drives home just how good Florida's been. If they were to then rank ahead of uh, the Tigers statistically in so many different categories. So this is a Florida defense that is dominant. It's one of the top units in the entire nation. However, they are going to struggle missing their top three tacklers today. And when you start to get down to it, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with everybody else where this game is just a matchup problem for the Gators because of health, because of where they excel compared to where LSU excels. This just does not feel good for UF, especially when you factor in the added motivation of senior day, of Tiger Stadium, of everything on the line. I mean, for, I know a lot of people think of senior day as a distraction because you break routine. I mean, you're instead of uh, getting your last-minute changes in, your last-minute speeches in, you're out there on the field. You're being introduced. You're, you're, you're having a, a ceremony. And if there's one thing that terrifies coaches, it is that breaking, uh, it, it's that breaking of routine. I, though, when I look at Senior Day, I don't think it's a bad break. I always saw it as a boon, as a, as a positive. Like I mentioned at the end of last hour, it really reinforced the fact this was one of the last times you were going to get to take the field with these guys, and it just it gave you that added motivation. And I know that sounds weird because you're like, well, why would you need added motivation? I mean, the game, there's already so much on the line. There's already so much to play for, to win for. I had a motivation. It's crazy. And, and, and look, I'm, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I, it's not like I would play less hard these other games. It's just almost unexplainable, uh, unexplicable, I guess, uh, that, that, that when you see these guys and you see them going through the ceremonies, they walk out to go to you like, oh, my God, okay, this is the last time. Like Saron Black, a couple years old, a guy that I looked up to. I'll never forget when he walked out there just really buckling down mentally and trying to convince myself, okay, we're going to win this game we're going to play well for these guys and that's what you're going to see today because you've got an incredible senior class 19 guys that is huge and 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 for it speaks of the character of that class for that many people to stay throughout their entire time whether it's four years or five years and then you look at some of the juniors where this could be the last time you see them in death valley be it uh leonard Fournette, devon godshow uh, who else? Uh, Malachi Dupree is a guy uh, that they're talking about going about leaving. Early. So these are uh, beloved LSU players. Where this is the last time potentially that you're going to get to see them at Death Valley. So I believe that Florida's in a tough spot here. LSU's going to be out for blood. They've so much to play for, and they want to send these guys off on a on a high note. And, and when you look at this senior class. Uh, they, they, they've had a relative amount of success. They, they, look, they've never been bad. A absolutely not. In fact, 
I think they would have won 10 games every year potentially if they hadn't had games canceled. So so they, they, they've been good, but they've never been great. And to get to compete for a Sugar Bowl, one of those New Year's Six Bowls, that is greatness. And that, well, that's worth playing for. That's something to hang your hat on. And that's what's now somehow lying immediately in front of this team, tantalizingly close. They just have to go out and take it. So massive stakes in the line for the noon kickoff. What do you think? Call uh, 504-260-1870. You can text 87870. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show here on WWL. Getting set to get real familiar with the uh, Florida Gators and Thomas Goldcamp, who joined us now. Thomas, as always, appreciate you being with us. Florida comes into this contest. LSU and Florida about the same, 26, a little over 26 points a game, averaged by the Gators, 27 for the Tigers. But let's look really inside those numbers. The last few performances of the season, Thomas, let's point toward uh, Florida and Arkansas at LSU and Arkansas, seemingly the uh, barrier, the measuring stick that each of these fan bases has uh, because they both both went into Arkansas. LSU had a better time than Florida. Florida bounced back last week. But where is this team in this matchup, uh, Thomas? Uh, we spoke to you earlier this week. It seems to be the complete opposite from last time where when they were supposed to meet several defensive starters are going to be out and banged up. It seems like Florida still has injuries, but maybe a little more decimated on the offensive side this time around. Yeah, there's no question. Florida could be without as many as three starters on the offensive line today. Obviously going to be playing a backup quarterback. Uh, so they're pretty banged up. I, I really think that, you know, if Florida's going to stay in this game, they're going to have to play a pretty much perfect game. And, uh, you know, that maybe wasn't the case in October. But you look at the injuries across the board for Florida, it's going to be really tough to go into Baton Rouge and get a win today. Yeah, and Thomas, when you look at this Florida defense, um, but they, they've been incredible. We, we talk about statistically it goes Alabama, Florida, LSU, in seemingly every single category. However, the top three tacklers uh, going to be out for the Gators today. Uh, how, how do you? How has this Florida defense performed throughout the injuries, and how do you expect them to perform today? Well, you know, I think pretty good. I think that the thing for Florida's defense really is they, they need help from the offense. When you've seen Florida, you know, give up points, they gave up 38 unanswered against Tennessee, had their way with them. The issue for Florida is not so much the defense, but really that the offense can't get anything going, and then the mm. defense starts to wear down. Is that similar to what happened in Arkansas as well? Absolutely. I think when you look at, you know, what Arkansas did, they really kind of grinded on Florida in the run game, and Florida's offense wasn't able to produce anything. And when you start going out, you know, three and out, three and out, three and out, then it starts to wear on the defense, and, you know, eventually they're going to break. And I think that LSU, the way that they're made up, probably has the, the potential to do that to Florida if Florida's offense can't get going today. Thomas, uh, following all the well-documented drama of earlier this year, uh, it really became one of those kind of he said, she said, they're scared, he's scared. Uh, what, what is the Florida fan base's temperament going into this game? Are they, I, I know people around here are a little extra salty. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really sense that as much from Florida fans, that, you know, as, as it was initially. I think there was a lot of angst, in, you know, that weekend, obviously. Um, but I think that LSU fans probably are, are taking it a little bit more personally at this point than Florida fans. I think Florida just has so many issues offensively, yeah. you know, that the, the, the focus has kind of been elsewhere for them. Thomas Goldcamp is our special guest talking about the Florida Gators. Thomas, for everybody there paying attention, listening up, want to get the latest on the Gators, do a little final scouting report before the two tangle in the 63rd meeting here today in Tiger Stadium, point them in the right direction, the latest on the Florida Gators. 
Yeah, well, you can find all our stuff at GatorBait.net uh, <laughs> online, and then you can obviously follow me on Twitter at Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, I spoke to you the other day, and maybe you can kind of reiterate, you know, the reason why I think optimism is a little bit better, you know, now than it was a couple weeks ago when uh, people left Vaughn Hemingway Stadium after Auburn had run rough shot over Ole Miss, and it's like, hey, you know, we can score a lot of points, but even we can't match scores with people because our defense is giving up too much. But they insert Shea Patterson. Georgia has Easton. Alabama has Hurts. Uh, Felipe Franks, it seems Florida has that guy on campus. Uh, LSU has to find that quarterback. What is, what is the situation? Is you, you told me earlier you felt like Franks was a guy that was kind of raw. They had to groom him up. But, you know, is, is it a year? Is it, is it just they got to wait and see? Do you think he's going to be able to start multiple years, and are they going to be able to build around him like they hoped when they recruited him? Well, we're going to find out next year, to be honest with you, because I think we've seen enough out of Luke Del Rio at this point that I think Florida knows that he's not the answer going forward, and Austin Appleby will be gone after this year. So they're going to have to turn it over one of those freshmen, and if it's Frank, you know, they're going to, they're going to really find out pretty quickly in Jim McElwain's key third year. I, I don't know. You know, I haven't seen enough of him yet to say one way or the other, but certainly Florida's going to be banking on that going into 2017. And, Thomas, what, is the, uh, what does the rest of the team look like going forward? Because when you look at this LSU team, you see a pretty large exodus of talent after this year. I mean, it's not going to be a rebuilding, uh, but there's no doubt that you're going to be taking a step back. Where does Florida look uh, outside of quarterback? How are they positioned? Well, I think that's, that's probably why fans are a little bit anxious right now. You know, when it comes to Jim McElwain going into that third year, you look at what Florida has offensively, and they return just about everybody. The problem is that offense hasn't done anything, and he's supposed to be an offensive guru. Yeah. Well, two years in, we still haven't seen much improvement from the offense. So I think fans are concerned there, especially when you consider Florida is going to have a mass exodus on defense. They're going to lose, you know, five, six, seven guys to the NFL, mm. and all of a sudden, you know, you go into a tough schedule and you got a reloading defense. I think Florida fans are legitimately concerned about what that's going to look like, given the way Jim McElwain has recruited so far. Thomas, when you look at it now, give us a perspective and maybe paint, paint a little picture. How is it when, when Florida comes down? Is, is it them coming down to recruits against uh, you know somebody in the conference? Is it Florida State? Has Miami begin to rise? Where does where does Florida where where are their battleground spots as far as wait look they get who they want? It's just a matter of scholarships they have to offer. Who do they usually come down to some key battles with? Is it in state? Is it in conference? Take us through that recruiting process. Yeah, I mean, Florida has really struggled in the state of Florida lately. Um, you know, they only signed four top 50 kids from the state of Florida last year, whereas Miami signed 10 and Florida State signed eight. So not only is Florida losing to its in-state rivals, but they're also watching programs like Clemson, like Ohio State, like LSU come in and pluck, the, you know, the Kevin Tollivers out of, out of the state. So they've really had trouble. And I think that, you know, some of it's cyclical, you know, with Florida State being up lately. I think that's hurt Florida a lot. But I think, to me, what it really boils down to is, is Jim McElwain doesn't necessarily have a staff around him that is full of closers. And you see that in the SEC, the guys that can go into a home and immediately convince that family. Florida doesn't really have that. So they're, they're getting in the door with a lot of these guys, but they're ending up second or third a lot of times. And, and really, that's a killer when you're at a place like Florida. Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, the latest on the Florida Gators. And let, Thomas, let everybody know how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, you can, you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas Goldcamp, just my name. And uh, you can always find our work online at GatorBait.net. Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, as always, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Y'all enjoy it. All right, th- All right Thomas, take behind. it easy, man.
Enemy lines are 7-2 Florida Gators. Just one regular season game remaining after today. That is at Florida State. Basically, all the marbles on the line in Death Valley today for the Gators. They win. They go to the SEC Championship for the second straight season. They lose. Tennessee needs to win their last two, and then they would go to the SEC Championship. Other SEC games, Louisiana Lafayette is between the hedges at at Sanford Stadium taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. Texas San Antonio is at College Station taking on A&M. Missouri is at Tennessee. That's the uh, SEC CBS game of the week. It's Western Carolina at South Carolina. Austin P is at Kentucky. Uh, Arkansas visits Mississippi State tonight. Chattanooga is at number one Alabama. A&M, Alabama A&M is at Auburn. And Ole Miss is at Vanderbilt. Coming up next, we'll get to uh, phone calls, the phone lines. We're going to get to, I believe, Philip we have in Denham. And then we'll get T-Bob Abe's keys to tonight's game, this afternoon's game between LSU and Florida. Count you down to the Gators and the Tigers. But first up, a CBS News update and then local news with Don Ames. LSU and Florida coming up a little afternoon on WWL. And let's get out to the phone lines. Let's go to Philip in Denham Springs on line one. Philip, thank you for calling WWL. Hey, Dick. Hey, first of all, I'm going to compliment you guys, man. You've done a great job uh, stepping in after Buddy D, man. You represent us well. And uh, and uh, T-Bob, man, you got a bright future, man. I hope we never lose you to a national radio show because you're amazing. You're, that's, anyway. that's way too kind, Philip, considering that I am an idiot and didn't set my alarm and <laughs> slept in and missed and showed up late today. But thank you. Yes, yes. It's not getting ahead of hey. ourselves. <laughs> I want an opinion. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day about Fournette and Geis, and yeah. I, I told him, I said, look, you know, if I was an NFL uh, uh, GM, I think I would pick Geis over Fournette. Yeah. I think Geis is going to be a better pro. I just really do. I I think Fournette, he's got all the talent in the world, but I, I have a feeling he's going to be one of those injury-prone guys. Well, so this is what's interesting, Philip. is this is a this is a conversation that I see cropping up all over the place right now. Um, I still don't necessarily buy. Now, I, I, I look. I am. It's pretty amazing what Darius Geis has done. But I think we're all being a bit of a slave to kind of the recency effect, where we, we, we're kind of forgetting what Leonard Fournette looks like when he's truly at 100. percent And when you're talking about a high ankle sprain, which is what Fournette has dealt with all year. That's an injury that does not get better. That's an injury that the more you play on it, the, the worse it gets. It just keeps you at less than 100%. So right now, as it stands with their health, look, Darius Geis, I, I think he's played well enough where you do like a 50-50 carry split or at least closer to 50-50. But as far as translating to the next level, well, I think they're both going to be very damn good. Uh, I still, I'm still incredibly impressed, impressed by Leonard Fournette and his size. His just it, everything that we've always talked about, right? His combination of size and speed. And I think that when he's fully healthy again, he will remind people uh, just how good he is. Senior writer at TigerBait.com at B-L-D-O-R-E on Twitter. Brian Lazar joins us now. Brian, LSU, and boy, just think about it. Uh, who would have thought, you know, a company with an Iron Bowl victory by Alabama, which is highly likely, they'll be a double-digit favorite in two weeks uh, next week. And LSU with two victories, they're going to play in the Sugar Bowl. And uh, that, that would be a hell of a turnaround, Brian, to this season for this team to play in a major bowl like that. And you're right. At the, back in uh, August, that's where I, I, I predicted LSU to end up. I predict, predicted them to go 10-2 and two and uh, probably get into the uh, Sugar Bowl. And uh, 
they may end up there. It's certainly not get the, not in the same fashion I thought it was going to play out. But uh, you know they have their chance now. Uh, you know if they can win their last two games and Alabama beats Auburn next week. Brian, why why is this team so energized? Why why did they why did they just I mean did they just look completely different than they have in a decade against you know that game after Alabama? Why why is this team you know buying in? They they really think they and they know they've got something to play for. I really think that the players were tired of hearing all week that this team's not going to be mentally ready to play, and I'm sure Ed Ogeron harped on that all week. Nobody believes in you. Every when y'all have been in this situation all the time, uh, the last few years you you know you've come up and played poorly, particularly against Arkansas the last two years, and I think that they just heard that and, and they probably were, were tired of hearing it. And uh, they got off to a quick start. That was the most yeah. important thing. You know, they got a three and out on defense, and then they came right down the field and scored on offense. I think that was, uh, you know, that was very important in, the, in that game. And, and they, in the past two years, Arkansas jumped on them. You know, the proverbial hit them in the mouth. But this time it was LSU that did the punching right off the bat. Yeah, and really, it was that 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 LSU offensive line. I mean, that was the biggest difference, along with game planning. But from this last two years to this year, uh, that O line kicked ass from the jump. Uh, now, Brian, what do you think about the LSU offensive line going into today's matchup? Uh, incredibly good Florida defense, but also an incredibly injured Florida defense. When you look at everybody who's out, uh, how do you think Post and Company is going to hold up? Well, here is my concern. Uh, if LSU's played uh, nine games this year, and if you look at the defensive fronts that they have faced, who have been the best defensive fronts? Alabama, Auburn, and Wisconsin. And LSU lost all three of those games, and mm. the offense scored a total of two touchdowns in yeah, those three games. That's a good point. So that's that's the issue. You know, the, and, you know, I talked to some of the players this week. I said, look, is this a chance? Look, Ole Miss is run defense horrible arkansas's run defense horrible and y'all took advantage of it now is this here's an opportunity to go against a good run defense i know look, florida's got some guys beat up I mean, there's no doubt about that but i promise you florida's still going to put put good players out there so here's the chance for lsu's offensive line to see what they can do against a, a good front and that's that's going to be the the story of this game you know because the offensive line has not done well this year against the better defensive fronts it's faced. Brian Lazar. Brian, LSU and Florida, give us your prediction, the Tigers and the Gators. Low scoring. Uh, defense dominates. Look, it's going to be pretty windy out out there today, so I think that can affect the passing game when you're going into the wind. So I, I just think it's a day for defense. LSU's healthier. They're the home team, and I think they have a little deeper, or not a little, they definitely have the deeper running back core. So I, I'm going to say LSU 17, Florida 6. BLDOR at BLDORE on Twitter. Brian Lazar, senior writer at TigerBait.com. Brian, thank you so much. We'll talk after the game. Okay, talk to you guys later. Thanks. All right, coming up next, I get a chance to go one on one with T. Bob Bay Bear and ask him about the battle in the trenches. Can that LSU O line get massive and bow up and pave the way for another big record rushing day to day like they have done in three of those five games this season? We'll talk to T-Bob next and get his keys and his prediction. LSU and Florida joining the network in 19 minutes here on WWL.
at T-Bob 53, talking about the battle of the trenches, former Tiger offensive linemen, where today 19 seniors will be honored, including some uh, offensive linemen. Boy, and T-Bob, uh, one guy that has uh, really gotten back on track and coming off a great game, Ethan Posick, the senior center right there, probably yeah. has a, a future for him in the National Football League. But looking on across the front, though, T-Bob, this group really, with the course of the season in which they've had several different starting lineups, looks like today Malone on the left side along with Clapp, Posick at center, uh, Booty, or Mayor Tuima at guard, and Toby Weathersby. This group has come together, T-Bob, and you're only as good as your last performance. Boy, and they gashed Arkansas last week. Yeah, I mean, that's what set the tone, Deke. Uh, when, when when you go back and watch that game, I mean, the holes off the bat were massive. Before you know you have a 21 nothing lead. And, and so they're going to be looking to do something uh, similar today. Now, Brian, we just talked to Brian Lazar. He made a really good point in that – the three games that LSU has lost this season, it is the three best defensive lines on the schedule. So there is a bit of a common denominator there. Now, what muddies the water a bit is the fact that Les Miles was the coach for two of them and that Alabama is the other one. Alabama is such an outlier that it's hard to judge too much based on that game. And we talked about this going into the Arkansas game, Deke, but this is an LSU offensive line that has been – a bit better than we've given them credit for this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, Pro Football Focus, who, um, look, some people get sick because you're talking about them so much. When you're talking about judging line and line play, PFF remains the top because they put in the grunt work. They watch the film, they grade, et cetera, et cetera. According to PFF, when adjusted for competition, this is the top line in the entire nation. And, and I'm okay, so I'm not trying to say that they're, so you go argue with friends in the top line. Once again, I'm just trying to show that this line is much better than we've given them credit for last year. They're averaging, Deke, over four and a half yards before contact on mm-hmm. the ground this year. That is, I mean, that, that, that's amazing. So th- this line's been better. And then you combine that with the fact that Florida's gone uh, out two defensive ends and Brian Cox Jr. and Justice Reed. They're also out there two top linebackers in Gerard Davis and Alex Anzalone. I mean, you're, you're talking about guys, Gerard Davis, six TFLs, two sacks. Anzalone, four TFLs, three sacks on the year. All these guys are out. And, and so I'm, as tough as this Florida defense is, I'm starting to like this matchup from an LSU standpoint just because this Gator defense seems uh, so hamstrung. I, I will say this, though, Deke, one guy to watch out for, Jabari Zuninga. Uh, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that last name right. Uh, but this is a redshirt freshman defensive end from Georgia. Seven and a half tackles, lost five sacks on the year. He probably represents the greatest threat to get to uh, Danny Etling. And, T-Bob, when you look on the other side, too, boy, some guys that have really turned it on. LSU has some tackling machines right up there at the top in the conference. We're talking about Kendall Beckwith is second in the conference at 90 and 10 per game. Arden Key still up there at the top in sacks. He's right up there. And Duke Riley is having a phenomenal year. Yeah, he has, out of nowhere, When you talk man. about it, guys, T-Bob, from where they come in their program to inserting in the starting lineup, he may be trending upward and, and made his stock rise as much as somebody in eight, nine games in the season that we've seen in the long long time well i i love that you brought up duke riley deke because on senior day i mean there's not a more appropriate player to celebrate than duke riley uh so often we see guys transferring all over the place now um duke riley is someone who bided his time he had to sit behind some really good players deke quan alexander's kicking ass for the bucks uh Mm -hmm. deon jones doing great for the falcons this year he was nfc uh defensive player of the month 
earlier this year. Maybe it was rookie of the month. Either way, uh, he was sitting behind legitimate NFL talent, and he waited. He was patient. He did the right things. He worked really hard on special teams, worked really hard in his craft. And now that he's finally gotten the opportunity, he has – well, he's flourished, and, 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 and he's justified the waiting and all the hard work because now he looks like a legitimate NFL prospect, and he has made a name for himself just in this senior year of playing. So, like, that's the type of guy that you're trying to celebrate today. That's the type of guy, when they go out there for the ceremony, that's the guy where you're looking at him. If you're one of the younger players, you're saying, my God, okay, I want to win for him. I want to send him out of Tiger Stadium on a high note. T-Bob, now LSU in Florida. Quickly, give us your top three keys in the Gators and the Tigers. The 63rd meeting coming up in a couple of hours. Really, man, it's um, it's 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 nothing creative. It's it's the same as it is every week. Uh, when you face these great defensive lines, so often it is the battle in the trenches that decides the ultimate outcome. And so LSU offensively, you have to win that battle. Defensively, you have to do the same thing. Take advantage of an injured Florida defense, uh, offensive line. Remember, this is an O-line for Florida. Our offense is already not that good. They could be down three different linemen. So, really, you have so many advantages. I think LSU is a bit better. I think they're healthier. You have so many advantages, Deke. You just have to go execute and follow through because you should win this game. All right, T-Bob, LSU, a two-touchdown favorite. Give us your prediction quickly. I, 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 I like the two-touchdown, man. I think uh, – 31, 10, something along those lines. I think that LSU handles this senior day, um, well, handily. <laughs> that is T-Bob Abair, former Tiger at T-Bob 53. Thanks so much to Big John, Don Ames on the news, and Todd Jacobs on-site engineer. Up next, the 63rd meeting between the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators. For T-Bob Abair, I'm Deke Bellavere. I'll see you after the locker room show for the point after this evening right here on Tiger Radio, WWL. Good evening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.